You're listening to Firm Up, the fermented food podcast, where we get together every week to discuss anything and everything fermented. This is episode 46, and I'm Brandon. And I'm Allison. And we have a special guest for you today. Yeah, we do. We have Derek Dellinger here. If you remember, we had mentioned uh, the podcast or the blog post that he had posted just I think a couple episodes ago, we had we had mentioned that. So we have him in our virtual studio today. So how are you, Derek? Good, good. How are you? Doing good to, today. It's uh, We're excited to talk to you because, well, for one, just recently saw this blog post about, and again, uh, we'll put in the show notes, the, the blog post. It's it's for for one year, I will eat only fermented foods, then publish a book about it. That was the, the blog post that I first saw of yours that, that kind of uh, spurred this whole thing of getting you on the show. So you have, though, actually before, stepping back just a second, you also um, have listened to Firm Up before. And I think that's, it was when, that was when the, the, the information crossed. And I was like, I'd seen this, this came up in my newsfeed because I keep track of things on fermented foods. And then just recently before that, you had, I had seen a, a Twitter post by you saying that you'd listen to all of them except for the fecal transplant episode. <laughs> right, right. Yep. Have you listened to that one yet? I have not gotten to it yet. Every time I'm about to put it on, I realize I'm cooking dinner or have just eaten, and uh, I decide I'm going to listen to it another time, but I promise I will get to it soon. Yeah, that's probably an episode that you probably don't really want to listen to when you're cooking or post-eating. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I figured that. Um, and I'd actually heard of it a year ago, um, so I've read about it before, and I was like, okay, that's... Uh, probably not something I need to uh, dwell on again when I'm meeting, but I, I definitely will get to it soon because I have listened to every other one and it's, it's always great. So I'll have to check that one off my list. So you've been listening to Firm Up. You've been, it seems like doing uh, more investigation into this. I guess let's just step back. What is it that, what is, tell us in your own words, what are you doing? What's this project for 2014? So, well, like you said, for 2014, I'm only eating fermented foods for a year. Um, everything I eat must be a product of fermentation. Um, and then I'm going to write a book about it, which will be called uh, The Fermented Man. It should be out in hopefully early 2016. Um, the publishing company is called Overlook Press. Um, it's, what, I, what I want to do is, is write a book that's going to get people interested in fermentation that otherwise maybe pass that topic by if they saw it on the bookshelf. So I want to frame it for people who are not necessarily going to pick up a cookbook. I think, or, you know, a, a guide to fermentation. I think if someone who's going to pick up a book like that has already have kind of a, a background interest or something in the back of their mind that they say, okay, I, I, I do want to learn how to do that. Um, I should pick this up. Um, and, you know, and there's also a lot of books on the health angle. A lot of books will focus on that, which I definitely want to get into a lot, but I don't want it to be the main focus. I just want to write a book that um, will kind of walk the average person through it as I'm pretty much a novice um, for making foods myself. I've done a few things um, and I've been doing beer for years and kombucha for a while, um, but I definitely am not an expert in fermenting foods. So this is going to be a huge project for me. I'm going to learn a lot and hopefully that'll come through in the book um, as well. So it's just kind of a, a big experiment and, the, the reaction when I talk to friends and family so far, and you know, most of the people I talk to is just kind of confusion, lack of understanding of what fermented food is, and that's kind of what I'm targeting. I think a lot of people will hopefully look at it and say, well, wait a minute, how can you do that? How can 
only eat fermented food for a year, or even what is that? I mean, I've gotten that reaction a lot that people just have no idea what what that is, what I'm talking about. Um, so hopefully, by kind of triggering that that questioning instinct, that that making people realize, like, wait, I have absolutely no idea what that is. Hopefully, maybe that'll um, turn people on to fermented food that otherwise wouldn't have any interest in picking up a guidebook. Well, have you reached out to other people to help you achieve this goal? Um, like friends and family? You said, mentioned something how you haven't had a lot of family or friends know much about fermentation, but do you have any resources or people to help you succeed in something like this? Um, yeah. Um, as far as making the actual fermented food or other resources, you mean? Um, just like people who can maybe guide you or tell you how to make fermented foods or um, resources like online resources or books that you might be using. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, well, first of all, I have Firm Up. So uh, you guys have helped me considerably. Um, when I first discovered the podcast, I think I listened to it for about six hours in a row on a road trip to Vermont. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you guys have been a great resource, and especially with the show notes, that's and me branching off into all sorts of other websites. Yeah, I, you know, obviously there's there's a million blogs out there um, covering fermented foods, so I can't really name any specifically at this point that I, like, you know, know personally or anything. But, I, I mean, the Internet's a great resource. I've been reading all of Sandra Katz's books. I just read the new Michael Pollan book, which, again, isn't really a, a guidebook or anything. It's actually, you know, more similar to hopefully, uh, if I can write it well enough to the sort of thing that um, I'm hoping to achieve. Um, but it was a very interesting read and, you know, very interesting the stuff he got into. Um, but, you know, the last however long it's been since I came up with this idea, I've pretty much been reading nonstop and just researching um, as much as I can. So, you know, hopefully I'm, I'm prepared and, uh, you know, it's, it's nerve-wracking, but I'm fairly confident I can pull it off. I think the... Um, great thing about fermented food is there's such a variety and it's really not that hard to get into that I think the average person can get into it fairly easily so um, I mean that's a big part of the appeal of it. Well that's kind of what you uh, it seems like you're hinting at uh, for a lot of people it, it, that you've talked to about this it's kind of a surprising thing but for people that ferment regularly it doesn't seem that extreme because there are so many options for fermented foods and Right. So, so when, when it comes down to when you're able to explain this with people, for people that are interested in learning more, do they start to get it that it's like, oh, I didn't realize all the things that they, that they eat regularly that are fermented or that, you, you know, it, it seems like to me, it's much different than say something extreme, like eating McDonald's for a year or doing something right. that, right. Um, you know, I mean, again, there could be potential health benefits or, or risks involved in, in solely doing this, but those are the kind of things that you probably are part of what the book's about, but it's not really a dangerous, um, thing in, in most ways to do. So are people responding and getting it just even from just hearing the, the synopsis of the book? Um, it, it definitely varies from person to person. Um, I, I guess, so, you know, some people I talk to already kind of have a, a general understanding of what it means, but the common theme, I guess, in the reactions is people do kind of slowly grasp the the idea. I, it, fermentation is a, a, weird, a weird thing. It is kind of hard to explain, and I've found myself, you know, obviously having a lot of conversations where I'm trying to succinctly give a definition of what fermented food is, 
hopefully, hopefully a running theme through the book will be uh, that for, people think of fermentation or fermented foods as in these two or three things that they know of maybe that, okay, it's yogurt and kimchi and, and uh, beer or whatever, you know, whatever they have heard of maybe, but it's, it's more of a process. It's more of a way of approaching food and, and this kind of underlying force of the world, really. Um, it's, it's not just a, a couple of foods. Um, so that's something I hope to get across. And it's been kind of tricky explaining that <laughs> um, in, in my scattered, you know, brief conversations with people. Um, hopefully I'm getting better at it, but, uh, you know, people pick up on it over time. And my mom, for instance, has really been getting excited and now she'll, she'll text me anytime she hears anything about fermentation when she's out at the store, you know, she'll, she's going to the natural food store now and she's calling me later and be like telling me about these long conversations she had with the person there where they're debating whether yogurt was fermented. And I'm like, well, yeah, yogurt is definitely fermented. She's like, but it's cultured. I mean, well, that, that means the same thing. It's you know, and you, and you have to explain it, but it's it's not that it's it's not that a hard it's a hard thing to grasp. It's just there's no unifying awareness of it out there in culture. I mean, and there's all these different words that will refer to it, cultured or probiotic. That you know, there are a lot of buzzwords behind it, um, and I think it just has to click for people that it's this background force of you know. Microbes converting food into something else. And I think when that kind of comes up, a lot of that in my mind comes from the fact that a lot of people are so disconnected from the food that they're consuming, even if it is fermented. I mean, there's some things that at different points in my life, I haven't known how those are, are made or otherwise. So it's, it, there's not that in that seeing that transformation on the countertop or in an incubator or elsewhere. I mean, it's, it's obvious that something's happening that isn't just being, you know, like mixing up ingredients. So are you going to be, is that going to be part of your experiential thing? Are you going to be making a lot of these yourself or will you be, um, you know, living off of uh, bakery bread and, and cheeses from the store? Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I mean, anything that's fermented technically qualifies. So again, I, I didn't want to, uh, approach it from purely a health angle. Um, and also it would just, I think, be impossible to maintain a job in any kind of social life and make every single thing myself. Um, obviously there's a lot of ferments out there that are probably a little more challenging or time consuming or just require a bit more minding. So, um, I mean, even just, you know, keeping a sourdough starter healthy is, seems fairly, I, I've tried it a couple times and had some luck, some better luck, um, but not one that I kept regularly for uh, months at a time. So, I mean, even that seems like it, it requires a bit of a time commitment. And then when you have a dozen different things to sustain yourself for every meal, I, I, I'm definitely going to have to rely on, you know, sometimes I'm going to buy some bread and uh, sure. cheese, especially. <laughs> it, yeah. Um, well, so, I mean, you're starting, you're going to be starting this in a few days. How- what or how okay. are you prepping for for this year of just fermented foods? Well, um, this last weekend, actually, I, I spent a day going around to a bunch of local farms uh, here in the Hudson Valley. Um, I'm in a town called Beacon, New York, which is uh, close to the middle of the Hudson Valley area of New York. We have a lot of great local farms here that I'll be utilizing. Um, so I, I went around, bought up as much produce as I can, uh, and stayed up until two or three in the morning, cutting it up and putting it in the jars and hoping I didn't mess anything up. Uh, it's a bit nerve wracking. I have a, 
a big gallon uh, Fido jar of red cabbage sauerkraut that I've, I've tried making red cabbage sauerkraut a few times before, and uh, it, was, it was actually one of the first things that really got me into fermented food. I bought uh, just a, a jar of red cabbage sauerkraut from the, food, the, the uh, natural food market, and it, it kind of blew my mind. I had no idea that you know, food could taste like that, that, uh, that sauerkraut could be that much better than the, the crap that you got at hot, on hot dogs and at baseball games. Um, and I'm sure, you know, everyone's kind of had a moment like that. And that's sort of, you know, early on was one of the things that got me interested in this. Um, but yeah, I haven't had the greatest luck with sauerkraut every time. So now I'm making a gallon batch of it and uh, I very much hope it comes out well, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, I have a lot of things going now and the first week or two might be kind of hairy. Um, if, if not everything turns out well, you know, I'll maybe be relying on, uh, store-bought ferments a little more. Um, but the thing is, again, there's there's enough out there and there's enough variety of foods that I'm not worried about not having anything to eat. And since it is a book and since there is kind of that, you know, narrative hook behind it, which is, again, you know, to get people interested and everything, it, it kind of adds to the story, I guess, if I have to live for a day on this grilled cheese. But, you know, hopefully I won't have to do that. Well, thinking of meals, f- first, what is going to be your your last meal before this starts? And and then what will be your first meal? Have you thought of both of those sides? Right. Um, I have been debating that for uh, the last couple of weeks. A lot of people keep asking me that, and I honestly have not decided yet. It's, it's you know, a weighted decision. Um, I, I'm... Yeah, I, I I have not figured that out yet, but it's got to be important. I would I don't know. Do you have any suggestions for me? What should I what should I do to to end the year and bring the new one in? Mm, I don't know. That's a tough question. That's uh yeah, it's it's, it's pretty significant, and you know this <laughs> this is a, a big thing. So yeah, it's a little different than going for like your last meal before you on death row. But I mean, for right, a year, that's right. a long time that you wouldn't be eating certain things. Um. Ooh. Yeah, I try and think of things I'll miss, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that last meal seems a little little tougher. Like, I mean, and again, it depends on 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 how you eat in general. Like, I'm trying to think though the first meal, you know, and the like. I start thinking of some things because I incorporate a lot of fermented foods throughout my day, but then I realize, oh, I've got a lot of things that aren't fermented as well because I was thinking about, you know, like some. Um, some eggs with kimchi or something like that. I was like, well, okay, well, let's go to porridge maybe. I mean, you could start with like soaking some uh, some oats the night before or a couple nights before, get them a little little sour and be able to eat that for breakfast. Um, and then, right. you know, go into lunch with, you know, you know, you could start with the grilled cheese if you, um, you know, just... And then there's, the, I mean, the, like the, the getting started, I'm sure, I'm sure you're just going to come up with all kinds of different options and you'll probably come up with, I, I know you say you're not making a, a cookbook, but you might kind of have some, some meal ideas by the end of this, whether it's laid out that way in the book or just people can kind of pick it out from the book because yeah, thinking about like when I'm trying to think about it, it's there's, there's, I mean, because fermented foods are a lot of times a side dish or a condiment or, or incorporated as part of the main, but it's not the the staple usually. So fermented foods are your, well, I right. mean, I guess besides bread, but, um, and, and I guess is bread going to be something you're going to lean heavily on? Do you think? Yeah. I, I mean, I would imagine I eat quite a bit of bread, um, as it is, um, I'm, you know, it's a good source of calories. Uh, I, I imagine my diet will mostly consist of bread and, you know, hopefully good whole wheat, rye, sourdough bread, um, which, you know, I'm going to try and perfect my own little take on the recipe. 
probably heavily on that and cheese and pickled vegetables. Um, I can see this going either way. I mean, I can see it being way more difficult than I anticipate and pulling out my hair, trying to organize everything and keep up the schedule. Or I can see it almost being easier than trying to figure out what to cook every, you know, every day for dinner with the ingredients that I have sitting around. Cause, well, I'll just pull out some bread and cheese and put some vegetables on a plate and have a, just a simple, you know, don't, you know, to cook anything, just uh, have everything as it is. And that tastes great on its own. Yeah, we'll see. Do you think, do you like, uh, well, I'm, I'm assuming you, you like the flavors of, of fermented things. Do you think you're going to get tired of sour? <laughs> mm, I mean, I don't know. I love that taste. I don't think I could ever get tired of that taste, but that's me personally. That's... Derek, go ahead. Well, <laughs> it, it's, it's, and it's funny you say that, Allison, because I, I know you've, you, you're on record as not being a fan of, of sour beer. Um, and that's probably what, what, well, one of the big things, I guess I could probably trace it back to a few things from childhood or whatever, but um, sour beer definitely was sort of my gateway into fermented foods, weirdly enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed beer for a while and, and the weirder, funkier beers and uh, experimental beers, whatever. Um, the sour beer is, is, tends to be very expensive and elusive and rare, and it's the, the ones that fly off the shelf and probably you know most people aren't even aware of. Um, so beer nerds would get a, a fix for the sour beer, try and fulfill their craving uh, other ways. And, you know, the, that's how I got into kombucha. So that was actually the first thing I fermented outside of beer was kombucha. Um, kombucha is, you know, kind of a non-alcohol, well, low-alcohol, uh, simpler flavor and uh, comparable to sour beer. Um, so I started doing that, and I mean, I, I really like the sour flavor. I find myself just adding lemon juice and vinegar to water when I drink it now. So I don't think I'll get tired of it. Hopefully not. Um, I seem to have a pretty high threshold for eating things that I like on a regular basis. I eat, you know, eat quite a bit of cheese, and I haven't gotten sick of that yet. So I'm not too worried about getting sick of anything in particular. Well, and for, for listeners too that may not know sour beer, since that was kind of your link into it, could you explain just a little bit more about sour beer? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, you could you could probably have a whole podcast just on sour beer. There's, you know, we'll force we'll force Allison to do that at some point. <laughs> great, great. Okay, awesome. I'll I'll do it. You twisted my arm. <laughs> it's it's. I mean, it's a fascinating. I mean, all all fermented stuff is fascinating. You know, so each of them are fascinating on their own. But sour beer is a really interesting thing. Um, I mean, to how to give a brief overview of it. It's it's. Again, it's kind of similar to kombucha in the flavor profile, if you've never had it. Um, a lot of sour beers tend to rely on a little bit of that acetobacter um, kind of vinegary sourness, uh, especially the Flanders red um, tradition of, of sour beers. Um, they all tend to in, involve lactobacillus um, and uh, brewing these strains, uh, which primarily get most beers are primarily fermented with uh, Saccharomyces cerevisiae, um, which is uh, usually the same yeast uh, genus that's found in, in, in bread. Um, but there's this other genus of yeast that involved in funky and sour beer production called Britannomyces that um, is really, really interesting species if you're into yeast as much as I am. Um, that can do all these crazy, crazy things over time, and it, it feeds off of dead, other dead yeast and bacteria cells, and it can live off of its own alcohol, and all these 
crazy things and it creates these really interesting flavors that are described as a horse blanket and barnyard and all these and any weird term that you wouldn't think would be appetizing has probably been applied to these flavors uh, but they're, they're really amazing um, kind of acquired taste and um, and then of course you get in, in a lot of sour beers you'll have uh, the lactobacillus sourness uh, lactic sourness which is a little more light and lemonade-y um, and again it's hard to, to, to explain that as a genre of beer quickly and I know I'm kind of rambling because there's all sorts of different styles, and some of them will rely heavily on lactobacillus. Um, and they're almost, almost there's a German style called Goza that is a salted beer, um, and it, the, the salt sounded so weird to me for years until I got into fermented food, and I'm like, how is and then it, then it became like, why is this only one style of beer incorporate salt when it's, it, it, it plays so heavily into other ferments? Um, but it's uh, lactobacillus fermented, or partially fermented. There's also uh, brewing yeast in it, too. Um, mildly sour beer uh, with salt and coriander, um, and that's a, a quicker ferment. It follows the timeline of uh, normal beer fermentations. And then there's others that age for years um, and develop this really complex sourness over time. Um, so there's, I mean, it's, it's a really vast realm um, of things, and it's, it's fascinating. There's all sorts of flavors that you just won't really find in, in anything else. Now, does that, because we did do a, a, a talk a little bit about indigenous African beers and, and opaque beers, would that fit under that umbrella of, the, of what you're referring to as sour beers, or are sour beers um, all going to be filtered in, in, in one style and from one uh, region? Sorry, are all sour beers uh, filtered? Uh, the ones that you're referring to, yeah, like it would an opaque beer, which would also include the lactobacillus uh, and and yeast, and and have those sour qualities. Are some of those indigenous beers uh, throughout the world under that umbrella, or are sour beers specifically referring to something like, say, on your 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 blog? Are you talking about only filtered, only a specific genre of beers? Um, I mean, I mean, there's probably a lot of indigenous ferments around the world that would uh, count as sour beers. Um, the regions that are heavily uh, associated with um, sour beer styles tend to be uh, like Germany and Belgium. Um, Germany, Germany, again, with kind of uh, more of the lactobacillus fermented, uh, quicker sour beers, um, Berliner Weiss and Goza, um, and a few other pretty obscure ones that have really have kind of been lost to, to history until very recently. Um, the, I mean... I'm not aware of too many sour beer styles per se from other parts of the world. Um, beer, you know, beer, beer as we know it now tends to the styles that people talk about and know of commonly tend to only be from like a couple countries, really. Um, so there's probably, you know, I know they have like sorghum beer that's described as as sour. I think is that a like a South African. Thing. Yeah, as far as I know, that one. It, well, and, and the reason why I think of those are because they're not necessarily thought of as just alcohol uh, or just a beverage. I mean, they're kind of offer you know a little bit of nutrition and and uh, sustenance right. as well. And so I just wondered, it, you know, are you going to be getting some of your um, if you run out of things, are you just going to be drinking a lot of beer too? Then do you think to to get your get your calories? <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, that's probably already true. Um, okay. being a home brewer, I definitely drink my share of beer. Um, you know, I, I don't want to necessarily say I'll rely on it as a source of calories. Um, I don't want to over drink. Um, and you know, I, I mean, I speaking about beer, I, I 
I hope I don't sound like I am too into it. I really enjoy it for the the taste, not not the getting drunk aspect. I kind of am different on that part. I, it is such a, a complex and flavorful thing. I, I'm you know I'm into it for the many many flavors it can uh, create. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it's interesting. That's that's something I want to look into more um, and hopefully do some some research of my own on um, sort of the history of, of beer as sustenance and. I have a, a, a like a sub project in mind, um, trying to research, you know, these beers that have lactobacillus and that's considered so healthy in these other ferments. And I'm wondering if that plays a role in in beer um, as as healthier than you know as being healthier than people think of it as. Um, a lot of styles historically were sustenance, um, especially you know say saisons or uh, farmhouse beers were group for farm workers um, and they were allotted like a, a liter a day or something I might be making that number up but something some very high number of, uh, or a large amount of beer that were given to consume a day and it, it was food for them and that beer has been food for most of history uh, it's only until recently that people are really concerned about how many calories are in it I mean that was that was a benefit for thousands and thousands of years so I do sure. want to kind of look at it from a health aspect too yeah, and I think that beer has a lot of nutritional value that I think a lot of people don't really think about because they are focusing more on the alcohol-related right. portion of beer. And they, I mean, there's tons of vitamins, um, specifically B vitamins that yeast create during fermentation um, that are really helpful. And they we need that stuff inside of our body to make other parts of our body work and lots of chemical reactions Um so I think it's a really interesting topic, and I don't know if – I think that a lot of research has been done, but I just don't think it's done in um, layman's terms for just the general public to know much about it. So I think it's right. a great project. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think so, hopefully. I mean, it seems like every other week a new article come out kind of touting the uh, health benefits of beer, and it, it, I guess it's generally kind of framed as like, oh, you don't have to feel guilty about drinking that extra six-pack this weekend, uh, um, <laughs> you know, because beer, is, it, it still has that, uh, Yeah, it, and people view it as a party thing or whatever, but, you know, it, there, there definitely are health aspects and, yeah, hopefully more research to be I done on that. I think it's different, too, um, with beers that are filtered versus not filtered, because um, sure. in I'm sure that there's research done on this, and I haven't really looked into it, but beers where the yeast are still in the actual product, the beer itself, probably have a higher vitamin content and a much higher nutritional value than beer that's filtered, just because of the yeast still being there and having those resources available. Um, right, right. So, yeah, I would and, say that's probably definitely true. And a lot of those um, South African beers, um, where they only ferment for a day or two, I mean, the alcohol content's probably well, minimal, if if even significant, not even significant. But then there's also right. lots of other indigenous beers, which I think we'll probably see a lot more in the market in the next few years. There's one my husband was telling me about that's from Chile or Ecuador, where um, the the interesting part of this beer is that they take the grains and they chew them and collect the saliva or they use saliva mm. as well to make the beer. So it's just a really different kind of way of making beer, but it's really fascinating. I wish I remembered the name of it. 
Um, well, it starts with a right C. Now. I think it's I think a it does, chi- yeah. Chi- um, Chia. Chia? No. Chia pet? No, something like that. I, <laughs> I th- yeah, I mean, you, you, will, you will find that talked about. I think it's both in Wild uh, Fermentation by Sander Katz as well as The Art of Fermentation, that uh, using the enzymes in the mouth to kickstart the uh, breakdown of the, the grain. It, 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 yeah, there's right. plenty of plenty of fascinating uh, indigenous beers out there, and 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 being able to think of it as food too. I mean, you've just got endless possibilities between beverage and and food of what you can consume. Now, thinking more right, right. on the food side, do you have any foods, that, any fermented foods that you haven't tried that you're hoping to try over the next year, or any that you haven't fermented that you may consider at least trying to ferment? Um. Good question. Hoping to try is maybe a little strong for some of them. I've had friends promise me that they're going to hunt down, uh, the, you know, the fermented sharks. And I think it was, I think it was just last or the other week on the podcast, one of the most recent podcasts that you were talking about the um, fermented birds in Iceland, the auks that they bury in the ground. Yes. Um, uh, the turducken. <laughs> the turducken okay. from hell. Yeah, I can't remember if that had a name, but one of my friends has sworn to me that he will track that down and bring it back and make me eat that as my last meal of the year of fermentation for the last meal of, of next year, uh, which borderlines on a threat. But uh, I, I mean, I think he kind of has good intentions, but will also laugh at me trying to eat these insane things that I'm kind of obligated to try if someone presents them to me. So I, I would be kind of curious to try things like that if somehow I can find them. Um, I'm sure there are things in, you know, going through art of fermentation that I'm really curious to try or try and make, but I, I honestly can't think of anything right off the top of my head. Um, I and mean, I'm going to try and make as many things as I can. Again, it's going to be kind of hard to keep up a, a regular schedule of making everything, but there's a lot of things that hopefully I'll get to make just at some point, even once um, to try. Um, and, you know, things like meat fermentation, I'm a little weary about. I don't really eat much meat as it is. Um, I'll probably eat more next year just to, you know, explore more things. But I'm a little weary about uh, trying to ferment it on my own. So I'm going to hopefully find someone locally that does it or, a, you know, a shop that makes it um, and maybe have them help me or just sit in on a session where they're making it or something like that. Yeah, there's definitely something to specialization. I mean, especially if you, if it's going to be your only food that you're, I mean, I don't, I don't make all the food I, I eat. I don't even make all the ferments right. that I consume. So, I mean, the idea of trying that would be in, uh, like, maybe that'll be your second book if, if, uh, you know, if you, if you survive this first year, um, is that you have to make everything yourself. Right, right. That's definitely up to the ante a bit. It does sound though that like, did I, did I catch that right? That if someone presents you with a fermented food that you will, will try it. So like, like your friend or like, so, so people get a, a hold of you on your, on your blog, um, you know, and they had something weird for you to try, you would potentially try it. Well, I don't, that might be dangerous going on record as promising that I would try <laughs> okay. anything fermented. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll keep an open mind for sure. I definitely want to try as many things as possible. I don't know that I'll go on record saying I will try anything. Um, cause who knows what people come up with. And there's definitely some, I don't know, would you guys try, try the fermented shark or, uh, the fermented off birds? I, I would get close and sniff it and see how that goes and then maybe go from there. But it's definitely, some of those sound pretty intimidating. 
I think that was the, the error was the sniff first. I don't think you're supposed to smell those things because they're going to give those warning signs of, I should That's not true. be consuming this. But then, you know, if you can get past right, that. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I guess you just have to really dive in and go for it. The awk I have a little bit more trouble with. Just I would really want to make sure that it's someone still doing it in a traditional way. But something like the shark, I forget the the, the H word or whatever that is. But, you know, but then like yeah. something like we've talked about the last couple of times uh, with Scherstroming, the, the uh, fermented herring in the tin uh-huh. cans that expand and bulge. I would definitely try that. But I've watched videos of people and they just are if you if a person does not grow up with it, it can be tough to to get yeah. past those warning signs uh warning signals to the brain yeah i don't know i think yeah. that i would probably try the shark just because from the way it sounds like it smells it doesn't sound that bad it smells like ammonia which is kind of nasty but i would be more willing to try that than maybe the fermented awk to me that just sounds a little uh-huh. scary just the turducken from hell and that it's in a sheep's or not sheep i don't even know where i got that a seal's skin I, and buried in the ground like to me that seems very far out there i don't know if i'd be willing to try it but that's survival food so if you get to the point yeah. of like i there's not a grocery store anywhere in sight and i need to eat something and you find someone with that then you might that might be a perfect time to try it right right well and that really would you know add to the narrative that that's a dire situation so we'll see if it comes to that now with this narrative do you think you'll go um uh, will you have any um uh, planned travel to get out there and explore different aspects of, of fermentation or are you going to be staying local for the most part? Um, I've gotten some, I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself with making plans too much. I have had some interesting um, offers come up uh, and just, you know, people that want to work on projects with me that heard about this um, or, you know, that want to meet up. And I, I do want to do um, as many interviews as I can um, just with, all sorts of different people and businesses and um, places that that sell or make fermented food. Um, you know, my background being in beer, um, there's a couple of brew pubs I can think of that have a, men, a, a food menu that is also uh, heavily reliant on fermented food. I think that's an interesting aspect. You know, these places that are selling all kinds of uh, fermented foods and, you know, a lot of people are saying that's going to be a culinary trend in the next couple of years or whatever. Um, so I definitely want to get around and check out places like that and maybe talk to the people behind them and uh, really just talk to as many people as I can because, again, there's so many people that know infinitely more than I do about this, and I want to learn about it myself and be able to incorporate that in the book. So uh, I definitely have some travel plans and vague, vague or vaguer travel plans to just get out there as much as possible. Um, and that's that's going to be interesting. It is probably going to be a little hard depending where I go or, you know, having to sit in an airport or something. Um, so I'm sure there'll be times where I'll just be eating some very basic bread and cheese concoctions or whatever. But um, that'll, that'll be part of the fun, I guess. Now, will you, like, how strict are you? Because I think about being in an airport. Well, there's, you know, places with pizza. I mean, the, the, there's the pizza dough that's fermented. There's, uh, there's the cheese that's fermented. If you got pepperoni or some other thing that's fermented, uh, potentially, but then there's, there's tomato sauce or that's most likely not fermented. Do you like, are, will you like, is it that, does that automatically rule that out? Like someone that has like a peanut allergy, it's like, nope, I can't have that. It has not been touched by microbes or at least not the microbes I want. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 
that would uh, break the rules of the game. So I, I have to avoid anything like that, um, which which makes it tricky. You know, I, I <laughs> going out. I'm not going to have much of a social life, I guess, this next year because going out to eat is going to be tricky unless I just want to order the cheese plate uh, and bread every time. But yeah, I mean, I hopefully can can stick through without you know accidentally breaking the rules sometime. Um, there's definitely certain places where I'm not sure what I'd be able to find to eat. And maybe I just have to pack something with me. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I like, I'm thinking too, what, like, I just really want to think about how far are you going? Like, say, are there any rules on how, what, how fermented something has to be? Because obviously some things need more fermentation than others, but I mean, will you be eating some, you know, kimchi that's fermented for a couple of days first? kimchi that's been fermented for at least a you know week or months or like will you be eating things along the as long as it's been fermented it's okay whether that's a day or a year is that kind of where you're yeah, at yeah i i think so and uh, i mean that kind of falls in line with just following i think um basic safety protocol i probably wouldn't want to eat a ferment that hadn't started fermenting yet just because you know you want to make sure it's going to work in the you know, it's going to be safe to eat. So um, I, I, I don't want to, like, cheat and just stuff something into a jar and say, okay, well, there's going to be some bacteria in there somewhere. I guess I can use it in a few hours. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, so I'm going to follow normal fermentation practices. I'm not going to rush anything. I want it to come out well and taste good. But, well, I guess part of it's checking it along its life, too. So, I mean, you do taste things as they're going, so... Good. That's, that's, uh, you know, that's the way to do it. Experience it in on the different, different levels, the different stages. And I, is the, bringing up the, the question of, um, you know, safety, uh, either yourself or just people that you talk to about this, are people concerned about you making things yourself, obviously purchasing things from artisanal creators or from grocery stores or otherwise is obviously going to be relatively safe. But for when you're making them yourself, are people worried that you're just going to do something wrong and kill yourself in this next year? Uh, mostly just the people that you know, don't don't really understand what fermentation is to begin with. I had one friend say, like, there's just no way putting that many bacteria in your body can be good for you. Um, I don't think anyone's gotten that, that specific with the analysis. You know, no one's, like, had a talk with me about botulism or anything. Um, I think, yeah, no, one, no one's tried to talk me out of it yet. So, um, well, I don't know, maybe all my friends just have a, a sick fascination with seeing me do crazy things. Well, that brings up a really great question is, uh, what do you think is going to happen since you're going to be eating all of this fermented food? Um, how do you think your body is going to react? Um, because for, as an example, the guy who did the McDonald's diet for whatever right. it was a month or a year, he did a before and after doctor analysis. And the after was kind of startling and very surprising. I think he ended up with a whole bunch of different kinds of syndromes and illnesses. What do you, you foresee happening if you, if you can foresee it, anything happening? Uh, I'm not educated enough to make any, you know, real guesses uh, about anything specific. The, the name of the book does kind of double as maybe a, a Batman villain. So if I do turn into like some bacteria spewing monstrosity, that, that does work too. So I'd be okay <laughs> with that possibility. Um, but I, I don't see anything that drastic happening. Um, I'm going to, you know, check in with the doctor periodically. I don't, I haven't really determined how regularly yet, but just, you know, to make sure everything's okay. 
Um, I would say the main thing I'm worried about health-wise is probably salt consumption. Um, I, I've kind, I'm kind of figuring, and I'm curious what you guys think about this. I, I would assume eating, you know, only fermented foods is still, you know, some of the stuff has relatively high salt content, but probably not much more than most processed food, which a lot of people live off of almost entirely. So um, I do want to be careful with the, the salt intake, but I'm not too concerned with that. Um, and other than that, I, um, the other thing I'm doing to hopefully track this is, um, I think at some point you guys mentioned the American Gut Project, that, that study of microbes in people's guts. Definitely, yeah. That's a, Are you going to do that then, that project? Or is it, yeah, I don't so, even, can um, you still do that at this point or is it, like, can you still submit your samples? Sorry, what was that? Can you still, are they still accepting samples and, and collecting those? I haven't. Oh kept up on it i i hope so because because uh, i uh, i donated the other week and oh, so okay. hopefully uh <laughs> hopefully it gets on the way um it it sure sounded like they're still taking samples oh great so good I, hopefully they're not not cutting that off because i would really like to do that um you know before and after and then after after uh see if there's you know long-term changes it'll be i'm sure there'll be changes just within a, a week or two um and i've actually kind of tried to almost not eat healthy the last couple of weeks just to, or to have kind of just a normal diet where I'm not really thinking about it. Um, I stopped drinking kombucha the last couple of weeks because I'm drinking kombucha for a few years now. And if I'm going to do this gut project thing, I sort of want to default to a, you know, a non-probiotic diet before I started um, to get as, you know, again, as quote unquote normal of a diet going as I could test that and then hopefully do a test, uh, at the end of the year after I've been eating fermented food for a year and then uh, maybe another one six months later. And I'll be really curious to see what, what changes they can track. Um, and that, that might be, you know, one of the most scientific aspects uh, or ways I can track the changes. And other than that, you know, I, I really can't make any guesses at this point. Yeah. I think it's fascinating. Um, but in regards to your salt question, I, I think as long as you drink enough water, I don't really see that re- having the amount of salt that you eat be any different than again, like what you mentioned, processed food, there's a lot of salt in processed food. Um, well, I and mean, way like, I mean, because that's the first thing I thought too, was processed. Uh, and, and then at the same time, people have been, been consuming, uh, heavily salted, more heavily salted than, than what sometimes is fermented even today, because now today we can control temperature even a little bit more in some areas. I mean, sometimes you just have to salt something. If, if there's going to be food by the end of the winter, it's got to be salted plenty enough in order to survive that long. And so people have at different points in parts of throughout the world have, have consumed probably plenty more salt than, than people are, are now. And, and, but yeah, like processed food. I mean, I think that if, if I think, well, whether or not that's a good example of how people are and are able to consume plenty that way or not, but I don't see how it could be more than that. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I'm banking on. I, I can't see it being too much. So, but uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, that that's something I could uh, keep up with by just going with the doctor regularly, you know, in case it is too much for some reason. Where would you put yourself on the spectrum? Since I know you said you've had kombucha and you like sour beers and different things with, uh, it doesn't seem like your book's that focused on health, but where would you like kind of your own self estimate of yourself like do you eat relatively healthy or pretty much just eat whatever like i mean where where are you kind of starting at right well i mean i would consider myself uh having probably a pretty healthy diet um maybe a little heavy on cheese uh which 
is not going to change next year either, probably. But, um, yeah, I, I think I have a pretty healthy diet. Um, been drinking kombucha. And so it's, it, yeah, I, I wanted to kind of, again, like I said, we're just revert to a normal diet for a few weeks with it got my group thing um but it'll definitely be a huge shift in just you know how many probiotic or live culture foods i'm eating and how, how many vegetables I, I really don't eat meat uh, hardly ever but it's i think i'm definitely going to still be eating a lot more vegetables than than i uh, do normally just because that's there's just such an easy thing to ferment and such a quick thing to grab and you know have a have as a snack or whatever and um I definitely see myself eating a lot more just there not raw vegetables, but just, you know, plain fermented vegetables. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if that makes a difference and you know, how I feel in my health. Yeah, it will be really interesting to kind of um to you know, if you're interested in coming on and checking in at different points throughout the year too, or if you have any big revelations that aren't giving away too much of the book you know, getting people excited about it because it'd be interesting to see because this is something that myself too, I hadn't really thought about how with as much as many fermented foods as I make and eat, how much of my diet still includes like at least part of it that is not fermented. Right. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, they're traditionally thought of as side dishes, but it's just kind of a matter of perspective. It's more organizational. And I, and again, I'm not recommending that anyone else only eat fermented foods ever. I'm not trying to start a fat diet. It's, you know, it's again mostly a way to get people interested and you know to see what I can learn by jumping in completely headfirst like this. But um, it, it, yeah, it definitely forces you to kind of examine how much is out there and how it is really more of a process than just like three or four different recipes. Sure, I think the idea and the concept of the, I mean, the, for an entire year that seems pretty long versus maybe like a month or six months. But the the idea and what you're trying to do is really cool because what you said earlier, not a lot of people know about fermented foods. But then when people, when you explain it and you tell people what fermented foods are and you start listing off fermented foods, it's it's as if like a light bulb goes off in someone's brain thinking like, man, there are a lot of fermented foods and I didn't even realize it. So it's just kind of extending the education and spreading the word of fermentation so it's an interesting way to do that. And now over over this year, will you be also doing uh, or sharing anything on your on your blog? Yeah, um, I'm gonna have a uh, probably a Tumblr blog that um, should be live by the time this posts. Um, the the uh, address should be thefermentedman.com, um, and I also have my beer focused blog, which is uh, bear flavored, uh, and that's the bear hyphen flavored.com um so those will be two ways of, of following along with what i'm doing the fermented man blog will probably mostly be pictures again i'm you know i'm not an experienced fermenter necessarily so i don't want to just like start listing recipes right away um and i don't want to write out the book in the blog form entirely i'll have you know probably shorter little entries um and you know kind of drafts of, of longer uh, ramblings and so forth, but a lot of pictures and just, you know, kind of keeping tabs with what I'm doing and how I'm doing and what I learned and so forth. Um, so, you know, I do want to keep people update, uh, up to date on, on the year as it progresses without, like I said, giving away too much, but, you know, there'll definitely be plenty to show and tell. 
we'll be sure to put that in the in the show notes as well. And just we we're kind of having a discussion before we got you in here for the interview too. The 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 bear flavored. I think even in the the podcast where we first mentioned this, I could not get it out correctly. Like I would, I was reading bear and kept thinking beer. Um, since it yeah. is, a, what's, what's the, what's, what's the significance of, of bear? Why bear flavored? Is it just to confuse people or does there, is there more to that? Uh, to be honest. Yeah. So that happens all the time. I would say probably, I, I, I'm assuming at this point, everyone that finds my blog or that I tell to check out my blog, I think everyone reads it as beer flavored just because then they, they already know it's a beer blog. That actually never crossed my mind when I made it. I, it just didn't even occur to me that the words were that similar that people would just read it as beer. Um, and I, I don't really have an interesting origin story for the name. I just like bears a lot apparently. And that, that name kind of stuck and I was like, well, I don't know. That sounds pretty cool. Bear flavored, like wild ferment fermentation, wild flavors and all this crazy things these are doing. I don't know. It kind of has a cool wild feel to it. And I just went with it. So, so you don't have, it doesn't really have any meaning. Well, that, that, that worked as meaning. So you don't, you, so it's not a flavor that you get in beer though. It's not like a specific, it's not those funky sour, uh, uh qualities or. No one but me would ever describe that as such. I've, I've kind of made a joke out of, you know, describing things as bear flavored on occasion and using that in my, in my writing. But now that's, that's not a, a commonly used term for beer flavors. Well, it can be now anyone that hasn't yeah. already seen your I'm blog. trying to make it happen. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show and, and sharing all this with us. And again, you're welcome to come back again sometime throughout the year and uh, share with us how things are coming along. We'd, we'd love to. Uh, and, and if nothing else, we'll, we'll be following along on your blog and, if we see anything, we'll be sure to mention it as well. So thanks for, Great. thanks for being here. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Thanks. And thank you. We wish you the best of luck. Please keep in touch We're I'm really interested to see what happens. Um, and how, how every, how everything works out. So best of luck. Thanks. I, I appreciate it. Um, I mean, it's a great community out there and it, it's a little reassuring that everyone is so generous with advice and, and giving tips and help. So uh, it gives me confidence for sure. And, I'd love to check back in with you guys and let you know how I'm doing. I'm overdosed on salt or whatever. Yes. What, what, however it may be positive or, or, uh, or not, we're, we're excited to see the, the drama unfold. So you, and, and again, uh, anyone listening can find the, uh, show notes for this episode at podcast slash, uh, for, uh, sorry, firm up.com slash podcast slash 46. And, uh, we'll have definitely the, his, uh, Derek's current blog. We'll have the, the new blog, uh, with the actual link when that's up and, you know, just, uh, keep, keep following along and, um, until next time, firm up. <laughs>